0: Hello and welcome to the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I'm your host, William Liu. This episode of the Raptors Over Everything Podcast is brought to you by our official sponsor, Kentucky Fried Chicken, the new official food of basketball. So make sure you're never missing buckets. Order yours online at kfc.ca and get it before tip-off. So I'm recapping the Toronto Raptors 108-97 loss to the Milwaukee Bucks. And um, you can look at this game one of two ways, really. Uh, there's Some positives you can take from this game, some things that are encouraging. Um, and other things are that it's, there are some negatives. There are some negatives in this game and I'll give a quick game recap before, um, touching on the positives and the negatives. Um, but you know, the Raptors hung in them early on. Um, the Bucks came in a little bit tired. They've been playing the third game of the, uh, of, of in four days, uh, back to back. They played against Washington last night. Uh, they won in overtime. Giannis fouled out of that one. And uh, Bradley Beal was going off. He was going crazy he had 55. Uh, but they won in, in overtime. Chris Middleton made a bunch of shots. And um, yeah, you know, early on, the Raptors looked like the more energetic team. They played really well defensively. Um, and they, they, they took that first hit from the Bucks, which is really big. The Bucks are very good at overrunning you from the start and making you basically try to catch up. And that's very hard against this team. Um, so the Raptors got the early lead, and it was really a question of can the bench come in and actually extend that lead. Obviously, the bench is a little shorter right now because there's no Marcus Gasol, there's no Norman Powell. But the bench came in and actually did a really good job. Um, you look at uh, you know pretty much everybody off the bench. I was pretty impressed by almost everybody. Um, if you look at the guys who actually came off the bench today... I'm not even sure if any of them are guaranteed playoff minutes um, in a potential series against the Bucks, or even just any playoff series um, like Chris Boucher, Ronnie Hollis Jefferson. Those are two guys that Nick Nurse has already said, I'm looking to see in the second half of the season, if those guys can be viable parts of a playoff, um, uh, just rotation. And then Matt Thomas obviously is a, uh, you know, a player that plays very sparingly and it's just only in certain situations. And Terrence Davis you know, we've seen it. Uh, when McCaw's in, and McCaw still remains out with the flu, when McCaw's in, Terrence Davis doesn't get as many minutes, and he's sort of that 10th man. So, you know, uh, these are not necessarily the type kind of guys that you would look at coming off the bench where I know for sure that they're contributing to the playoff series. But today, all four of those guys played really well. That bench lineup um, did some real work and did some real damage uh shout out matt thomas for hitting three threes in the second quarter there he had back-to-back threes and then he checked out the game and he checked back in he had another three uh boucher had some very very nice defensive plays and ron has some very very nice defensive plays um you know and uh who i'm missing oh and terrence davis you know he was very shaky to start the game but in the second half was much better uh so the, the bench really got the raptors to extend the lead there but where this game really turned was at the end of the second quarter. The Raptors were up 12. They were playing really well. The starters came back in. And it just seemed like there was a drop-off in intensity in the sense that the Raptors didn't close the quarter well. Made a lot of avoidable mistakes that, generally speaking, um, you know, is beneath this team. Uh, whether that was failing to box out, whether that was settling for bad jumpers, not getting back in transition, rotating off the wrong guys in the corner and allowing threes, and what happened was that the Bucks only went into halftime down two points, and that was a big issue, right? If the Raptors went into halftime with an actual double-digit lead, this game could have been very different, but the Bucks went into halftime pretty much even, and they came out a lot stronger in the third quarter, which is what you would expect. Generally speaking, teams playing on the back-to-back, in that third quarter, that's usually when they gather themselves after halftime. They find their legs and they get into the game. And, yeah, I mean, the Bucks just kind of overwhelmed the Raptors in that third quarter. That's where the game was lost. The Raptors lost that quarter 34-19, to and a lot of that was poor execution offensively. Uh, a lot of that was, uh, you know... Those those bad shots that they were taking offensively, the Bucks are going the other way in transition, getting easy buckets. Also, the Raptors just making a couple of mistakes. Like again, the, the Raptors just rotating off corner shooters, leaving guys in the corner open. I know this is kind of a thing the Raptors do a lot. They do try to force certain guys to shoot the ball, but um, for the most part, giving up wide open corner threes is not a good idea. And the Raptors sort of, um, you know, really struggle on that front. And you know, credit to the Raptors, they got it back into. Uh, you know, they, they, re- con- they regained control of the game. It's not like necessarily they dominated, but they were at least competitive throughout most of the fourth quarter. Um, the Bucks hit a couple of big shots. You know, Giannis hit a big c- corner three. There was a sequence there where, um, you know, Fred had just hit this, like, and one uh, corner three that cut the lead to seven. And then on the ensuing inbound, the Raptors tried the little, like, uh, you know, the full-court press and whatever. You know, they, they do that a lot in the end of the games. Uh, They tried that, and OG got this spectacular steal off the um, inbound pass where he sort of jumped backwards to uh, deny the pass. I was trying to go over the top to Giannis, and uh, OG not only kept the ball inbounds, but he saved it to Pascal, who found Fred. And Fred had a reasonably open look. It was open because he was like 32 feet from the basket, but... um, Fred took that shot and, uh, you know, it, it rimmed out. I would say it's within range. And as long as the Raptors are getting that much else offensively that, you know, it, it was denying the Raptors of such another great look. But uh, still, a bit of a rush look for sure. And that look rimmed out that could have put the Raptors in a four point game with about two minutes left. So a totally manageable situation, but instead the, the, the bucks go the other way. Giannis is wide open in the corner and, you know, credit to Giannis. He hits the corner three, which is a big improvement for him. Uh, and that turns a seven point game into a 10 point game. And that, that swing right there pretty much ended it. Um, you know, that's, that's pretty much how the game went. Now, like I mentioned earlier, um, you know, it, there's positives and negatives, and generally speaking, I feel kind of okay about this game. Not necessarily upset or, or, or not upset. Obviously, it was a bit frustrating to watch the Raptors play this game, but also it's just the Bucks are, um, you know, the Bucks are just a really damn good team. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, I thought honestly, like all cards on the table. Being completely honest, I thought the Bucks were going to beat the Raptors in last year's Eastern Conference Finals, and that's what I predicted. And of course, the series changed around, and I was totally wrong about that. But the Bucks are a damn good team, and, and they were a damn good team last year, and they're a damn good team this year. So um, I'm not necessarily surprised by the loss. Um, so, But I'll, I'll cover the positives, all right? Um, one, the most encouraging thing is that the Raptors' on-ball defense against Giannis um, was fine, I thought. You know, like, look, Kawhi obviously took that assignment on last year. Uh, midway through that series, he kind of just told Nick Nurse, like, yo, uh, let me go guard. Giannis and he did that and he did really well Giannis in that series still got his points but got like 22 points a game Um, wasn't as dominant as he was in regular season when he was obviously MVP Uh, and there was a question as to sort of who was going to take on that role because when the Raptors played them in in November uh, Pascal got the role earlier on and he really struggled with it he picked up two quick fouls that took him out of the game then in sort of a uncertainty there they kind of did it by committee and then eventually OG kind of took the role and he did okay with it towards the end of the game but still the Raptors were down like 20 in that game they were chasing and you know whatever that that wasn't a very representative sample what we saw today here was that the Raptors in terms of on-ball defense against Giannis um, was actually pretty good and um, the guys who were responsible for that OG had the primary assignment obviously in the starting lineup he did a pretty good job of it And, um, you know, off the bench, it was guys like Rondé who also did a really good job of it. Um, And and really the key is sort of what you want to do first is want to put a guy on Giannis who can physically stand up to his drive. So if it's a one on one situation and Giannis is just trying to like power past the guy, um, you need someone strong enough to sort of stand in there and really can just like get in the way. And I thought OG did a good job with that. and I thought Ronda did a good job with that. Those two guys, honestly, by my money, like they they did fine. Like I'm not saying Kawhi was replaced defensively. That's too much to say. He's a two-time defensive player of the year. But at the same time, on-ball defense-wise, you know it was not bad. The Raptors did a pretty good job against that. And of course, you know, similar to in last year's playoffs, you don't just guard Giannis by himself. You form a wall. You play box and one. You play triangle and two. You play a little bit of zone. You show a lot of help. And you know the Raptors did a good job of that like they have with every other superstar this year whether it's you know Dame Lillard or Kawhi Leonard or LeBron James like no superstar individually is going to kill the Raptors and and, and the Raptors I made that clear Nick Nurse has made that clear and that's sort of been one of the core tenets of the Raptors defense that has been again second ranked in the league this year only second behind the Bucks, unfortunately um and Giannis is no exception like the Raptors had a pretty set game plan they didn't get they didn't let Giannis get a full head of steam in transition. There wasn't none of those breakaway dunks or anything like that where he takes four steps. Um, There wasn't, you know, him just overpowering a guy on the perimeter and drawing a foul and going to the basket. None of that. What the Raptors did was make him play half court. When it was at the top of the floor, in the middle of the floor, at the, you know, at the free throw line extended. They kept, they played him one-on-one. If he wanted to take the jumper, fine, whatever. But, you know... um, They kept him in front, and when he did try to drive past and get to the rim, there was help at the rim, and there was timely help in the sense that it wasn't just like selling out completely the guard at the rim and Brook Lopez is open to shoot wide-open threes. That didn't happen that much. It was mostly, um, you know, just help at the rim and forcing Giannis to sort of reset and the Raptors can rotate from there. And then, you know, when Giannis got the ball in the post, sort of of at that, like, you know, just, you know, along the baseline or anything like that, the Raptors would send hard double teams, and they would force him, um, they would overload one side of the floor, they would force difficult passes, and, they would, and then they were basically betting that their rotations defensively was able to overcome for the fact that there was two guys on Giannis momentarily. And for the most part, they did a really good job of that too. And when you look at the final stat line that Giannis had, like he had that big important three at the end, congratulations to him, but, you know, for most of the game, Giannis was sitting on 16 points, 5 of 14 shooting. Got a couple of free throws. Whatever, it's Giannis. He's going to be the MVP this year. He's going to get a couple of free throws. Um, and they did a really good job. Like, if you told me that Giannis had 19 points on the night with five of 14 shooting, you're, I'm totally happy with that. You know what I mean? And you know, I think every Raptor fan should be sort of reasonably good with that. Now, the downside is they made him into a passer, and he got eight assists. Fine, but I mean, for the most part, you'll live with that. Uh, you can beat the Bucks if Giannis is, you know, doing what he did tonight. That is very very encouraging, um, you know. And that's if if you want to take a big positive takeaway, it's that fact that you know OG Rondé and sort of that system of health defense is still in place to sort of contain what Giannis could do. Especially it's and especially um, you know promising in the sense that you didn't even have Marcus All today, and Mark was a very very important um, facet of that defense. Like Giannis talked about in the offseason, he's like every day I'm going to, I'm waking up and I'm seeing. You know Kawhi uh, guarding me, and then uh, Marcus All coming with a double team, two defensive players a year, and no one's going to overcome that. Um, and to not even have Mark, who's a very very important player in a series like this, um, and for the Raptors to still be successful in guarding Giannis, that is very very important. Um, so that's very, very encouraging. And the other encouraging thing is like there are still some fundamental weaknesses with the Bucks that you know. Um, you can uh, you can sort of rely on in the sense that Chris Middleton, I thought, actually had a pretty good game today. Uh, you know, he made a couple of tough jumpers, and, you know, he wasn't the number one option. He was still the number two option, but he didn't have the ball that much. But when he did have it, he did the most that he, you know, could with it, to be honest. 22 points, 8 rebounds, 3 assists, 7 of 14 from him, 2 of 4 from deep, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. The, the 7 free throws I really take issue with because... Um, he got he got two very generous three point foul calls uh, and 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 I and I really really mean that like very very borderline um, if you even call a foul on those like it's not it's like a on the floor but yeah I mean he got six free free throws and then he got another one that was for a technical foul on Kyle Lowry so those are the seven free throws whatever you take those away still um, but I thought Middleton did hit a couple of shots but for the most part Middleton has you know the ability to shoot like he had that last year too middleton is a guy who can shoot the thing is middleton has a weak handle he has a weak handle especially for a guy who is supposed to be well, not even supposed to be but a guy who's occasionally you will rely on him sort of attacking and creating his own offense um part of the difficulty with that is just he really you know he the, the, the handle is just loose like he doesn't feel completely confident with it it's not like it's a bad one it's definitely above average for 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 an nba player but you know, especially in the first half, in the first quarter especially, you could really tell that if you have a guy like Lowry on him, if you got a guy like Frevin, Van Vliet on him, and you pressure him, you attack the dribble, you swipe at it, his instinct is to turn around, put his back to it. Uh, he will pass the ball in that situation, and if he doesn't, if he tries to sort of make a couple of moves or whatever to elude and try to get space and drive inside, first off, him driving inside is not really the strength of his game. Uh, he's more of a guy who shoots and, and, and finishes and also is a pretty decent passer when you double team him. Um, but, uh, yeah, when he tries to attack off the dribble, I mean, like, you know, just refer to last year's game six when he decided after the Bucks were after the Raptors had gone on a 24 to three run to take uh, control of the game. He decided in that specific moment to put the ball behind his back for no reason. And uh, he got his pocket picked by Fred and Kyle. And then that led to Kawhi Dunk that finished the 26 to three run. That, you know, won the Raptors, the Eastern Conference, and eventually the NBA Championship. That handle remains loose. And if you are going to guard Middleton and if you go on in the way to attack him and create turnovers that can lead to fast breaks, that right there is the answer. And, you know, you, um, you know, I, I saw situations where Pascal was on him and Pascal's primary defender on him. That doesn't quite make sense. That doesn't quite make sense. I think the Raptors had the right idea last time. Um, you know, in 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 last year's series, where you know Pascal was on a guy like Bledsoe, and uh, it was usually Lowry or Van Vliet that was on Middleton. That's the right idea. I don't I don't think Pascal on Middleton is the best idea. Only in the sense that Middleton's a great shooter; you cannot leave him. So uh, you're taking Pascal out as a help defender. He has to stay home. Um, and also Pascal doesn't ag- aggressively attack the the handle as much as uh, Fred or Kyle do. I mean, Fred, uh, Pascal can. But uh, Fred and Kyle is just their natural inclination to really dig in at you. So that's the weakness there. And then, you know, the rest of the team is just fine. Like, yeah, they have nice role players. You know, they come in. They're nothing that special. George Hill, good defensively, sets a team up, you know, whatever. Seems to always get under Kyle Lowry's skin. Dante DiVincenzo came in and got a couple offensive rebounds that were mad annoying in the fourth quarter. A lot of hustle plays. Marvin Williams, you know, just a solid vet who can hit some corner threes and, and played okay defense on, on Pascal. That's fine. And even Bledsoe today actually had a decent game in terms of, like, he hit two threes, you know, uh, he got to the free-throw line, whatever. But those other guys are whatever. It, it's it's really just – and, of course, Wes Matthews, I mean, very forgettable as a starter at this point. Um, you know, it, it, it still kind of boils down to Giannis and Middleton. And to be honest, if the Raptors can reasonably defend uh, Giannis and they also have a way to guard Middleton, then you're kind of looking at a series where you can compete. Now, this is where the bad thing comes up because – as i've said many times and as many people have predicted the raptors in a playoff series in a, in a potential series against the bucks the issue comes up is on the on offense can the raptors score on the bucks and the bucks defensively are very similar to last year um, they play kind of the same way and, and and really they have a couple of rules that they very they, they very much stick by and they have the personnel to, to to execute so one first and foremost they take away the basket if you run a pick-and-roll against them, their big man drops very, very back, all the way back into the paint. They protect the basket. And they're very legitimate big men. Like, Brook Lopez and, and, and his twin, Robin Lopez, are seven feet tall. They're huge. They're strong. They're going to contest your shot at the basket. It's not easy to score with that. Um... And they don't leave the corners either. Uh, you know the, the guys will stay at home and try to deny the corner three. What that does is it leaves you with an opening it's in the sense that, usually speaking, in a, in a pick and roll situation at the top of the floor with the with the, with the, with the floor spread, um, you have a situation where it could be a two on one. Just because the big man draws back, there's a two on one situation on the perimeter. And the ways you can attack that, I mean, there's a couple of ways, but, you know, pick and pop with your with your big man, uh, pull up jumpers off a screen if you get a good screen. Um, you know, if you set a down screen and away from the ball and someone sneaks behind, you know, there's, a, there's an opportunity to sort of uh, to get a jumper there. And it's just a couple of ways to attack it. Right? It's not a revolutionary defense. But um, – the Bucks are very, very good at defending, uh, and they force you into taking some very inefficient shots. And what they leave you with is those pull-up jumpers, those pick-and-pop jumpers, mid-range jumpers. And that's right now what not what the Raptors specialize in. They're not very good at those things, um, you know. For one. Even the pull-up jumpers, okay, fine. You know, Kyle and Fred are generally speaking pretty good pull-up uh, three-point shooters. They can hit those shots, but against the Bucks, it's difficult because um, even though their big man drops back, they have some very, very large guards. They have George Hill, who's like six foot five. They have Wes Matthews, who's like six foot five. They have. Um, you know Eric Bledsoe, who's a little shorter, six two, six three, but his arms are really long, and he really competes. And those guys go hard over the screen, and they really pressure your shots. So it's not just like a simple catch and sh- pull up jumper uncontested. It's a guy rushing you, and you could tell when when you watch the replay of this. Like a lot of it was Kyle leaning into the three point line and, and sort of shooting the shot, and, and Fred sort of momentum carrying him forward, and they can hit a better percentage than they usually do today. Where you know Kyle and Fred hit what, uh, a combined 4 for 16 from 3, yikes. Um, well, that's tough. And then also, the, you know, they make your big man shoot a lot. And, and the, although the Raptors do have big men that can shoot, Serge and Mark are shooters. Serge definitely wasn't a shooter tonight. He was 1 of 10. And a lot of those threes, I mean, they were just leaving him wide open. And, and so, you know that's where you miss a guy like Kawhi because, like, look, man, uh, you miss Kawhi in many aspects for sure. But in last year's Eastern Conference Finals, even though it was a team effort, a lot of guys had to step up. Norm had his moments. Fred obviously had many moments. Kyle was very, very good throughout the series. Uh, Serge and Mark had their, uh, and, and, and you know, at times they, they contributed and made some big plays. Uh, but, man, Kawhi averaged 30 points per game. And the thing with Kawhi is that he is – Player with no offensive weaknesses. Like if you give him the pull-up jumper, he will hit that. Like if you recall Game Five on the road, must win for the Raptors. Series tied two-two. Start of that fourth quarter. Kawhi hits back-to-back pull-up threes off the high screen while Mo- Brook Lopez is sagging back. Then after that, Brook Lopez has to come out and change their defense. And when you get the defense to change, when you get the Bucks to change, that's when you're vulnerable. But you need a special talent to get them to do that first. And right now, offensively. It's looking a little suspect. Um Pascal can do that, but it's is is it a reliable kind of thing where like he can do it consistently? If you look at Pascal today, for example, I thought he was he did what he could in this in in, in this game. In terms of he had 22 points, um he had three assists, and he hit five threes. And if you're telling me that Pascal hit five threes, generally speaking, First off, I'm against any other team. Pascal, if he hits five threes, he's it's a 30 point night. He's 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 you know gonna feast. Especially if he also gets to the free throw line seven times. But the thing is, you know, uh, the Bucks are just a team that really deny the paint. And again, this is where it defensively comes in because Pascal is not necessarily a reliable mid range shooter yet. The three point shooting comes and goes. Today it came, and it still wasn't enough offensively because Pascal's primary. Um, his primary weapon on offense is going to the basket, attacking the basket, post-ups, floaters, whatever, pick and pop, pick and roll, just going to the rim. Transition. Um, and the Bucks just took away all of that, right? First off, the matchup against Giannis one-on-one is difficult. Pascal generally speaking, has a couple advantages on his guy. Whether that's a smaller defender, he's got the length, he's got the strength to sort of overpower a guy like that. If a bigger guy comes, he can sort of face up, use the handle, sort of make a move around, maybe play a little pick and pop, you know, play a little pick and roll, um, and and get inside. None of that exists against Giannis. Giannis is just as quick as Pascal, except he's longer, he's bigger, and he's stronger. It's just tough to score on him one-on-one. And if you do, by any chance, if Pascal gets past Giannis, it's a seven-foot Lopez twin at the rim, and those guys are hard to finish over, and Pascal's definitely not going to finish over or muscle past those guys, so it's just difficult. When you look at it today, where the Raptors offense, you know, kind of died a little bit is the fact that Pascal only made one two-point jumper and a and, and two-point shot, and really, if you look at it in totality... Um, the Raptors at, and the two-point range were just awful. Again, the Raptors came in with a clear game plan, right? They knew what the Bucks did. They were obviously made a concert after the shoot threes. They took 52 three-point attempts tonight for the Raptors, which is a season high. This is even higher than when the Raptors lost that game to the Heat on the road. Remember that? That was a very frustrating game. Um, in that game, they were also chucking threes. Today, 52 threes. And the thing is, that seems like a ridiculous number, except that they actually hit 18, which is not bad. 18 threes is, you know, not that not that terrible. Like, we're talking about a 35% um, conversion rate from the three-point line. And in terms of efficiency, that's more than a point per play. That's more than a point per shot. Where they really, really, really did not step up was in the two-point line. They They shot... I mean let's do some quick math here they shot 14 of 39 from two and and that is an awful 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 percentage and um yeah you know it's tough and i don't want to get into too much of like pascal not trying to attack Giannis or anything like that like I want him to force the issue, but also I think one of the things with Pascal that's good is that it kind of, he knows his limitations. I think you can run more plays through him uh, and you have him initiate a little bit more. It's just not a situation. The Bucks are not a team that's going to get beat by a lot of point guards. Um, you need a bigger wing to sort of create an, an attack and, and break down the defense because the, the smaller guard is just a little bit easier for them to contain. But, you know. For the most part, I thought he did. He did what he could, and really, I thought Pascal's improvements actually came through because him hitting five threes is actually pretty good. Um, but, but yeah, you know, offensively, it's just gonna be a struggle against them. And then the other stuff is just whatever. Um, you can always nitpick small things in a game like this. Uh, I thought the Raptors, again, you know, in terms of second chance points, was really annoying to see the uh, the Bucks um, crash in for offensive rebounds, and, and, and you know. Dante DiVincenzo, in particular, that's something the Raptors can clean up. Um, you know, the Raptors' fast break offense was just not as good as it normally is. They 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 sort of, you know, they uh, they got better as the game went on, and it was sort of uh, more loose. But for the most part, the Bucks did a really good job denying fast break. Again, this is something you can expect in the playoffs. Like, you're not going to be, you know, just running off that, uh, you know, running all the time in the playoffs. It doesn't really happen. Uh, and, you know, what opportunities you do have, you have to force turnovers and the Bucks actually did a really good job of containing turnovers. Like for the much as much as the Raptors swarmed and attacked the ball, the Bucks only had thirteen turnovers and um Yeah, the Raptors were not able to get the fast break going and, and therefore their half court offense, which generally speaking on, on the season is a little bit average, you know, it was uh, less than average tonight. So that's that's pretty much the game. That's pretty much the game. I, I don't really feel again, like I said earlier, I don't feel any ways about it. Like it's kind of an expected result. The Bucks are really the good team. The Raptors obviously have beat the Bucks, and we have sunned the Bucks. Uh, but at the same time, obviously those circumstances were different. Kawhi was around. Danny was around. The team is a little different right now, and you know you have to sort of figure out a new way to do it. I, I, again, as I mentioned earlier, there are still ways to attack the Bucks. There are still weaknesses. There are still things you can go at. But um, you know, the, you know the, the Raptors just didn't do enough tonight. And really, like. Uh, the guys you got to harp on today are, are really just Kyle and, and Serge. I mean, like, realistically, you're not going to win any games with Kyle and Serge playing the way they did tonight. First off, like, forget the actual production, like the fact that they shot a combined four of 27 from the field for 15 total points. It's just like the lack of composure from the two veterans. Like for Serge, he got really nervous. Uh, he missed some open shots. He stopped playing on instinct. He stopped playing aggressive. And you can tell. I mean, the ball, I mean, he couldn't catch passes. He was throwing weird passes, uh, hesitation on open shots. And when he did shoot the open shot, it was not going in. You can tell. Uh, Surge has had these moments in the past. We've seen it from him. But for the most part, this season, he's been really well. This is a rarity. And Nickner said it like he said Surge played like 21 straight great games. And so an off game is coming. And today was a really, really off game. Generally speaking, you're going to need a lot from Surge in a series like this. You're going to need a lot from Mark. You're going to need a lot from the center position. Um the Bucks are gonna allow the centers to really shoot and then those guys need to make shots and they have the ability to make shots. Today was an off night for surge, whatever. It happens. For Kyle it was just the it's it's the it's the frustration with the referees and everything like that man like it, you cannot lose focus in a game like this i understand there's a lot of frustrating aspects i went into this there were they reviewed a move a, a play nick nurse issued for a challenge where it was clear that robin lopez moved he like spread his legs like the eiffel tower and like clip collar he's moving the whole way but for some reason when you challenge these things you can only challenge the specific call that's made and so the the made the, the The play that was made, or the call that was made, was that Kyle Iry was moving and therefore was a blocking foul, Um, except it was clear that he was being moved. Whatever, that that rule is stupid. But still, there were frustrating things and whatever. But, yeah, and obviously the Raptors are missing shots and they they lost a lead and they were trying to get back into it. You know, it's frustrating. Things happen, but you cannot, as a leader of the team, you know, lose control like that. And, And Kyle has a tendency sometimes where he starts to, like, try to spike the whistle instead of trying to beat the other team. And it's just. You know, man, it, the composure wasn't there. As the leader of the team, it's, it's tough because if Kyle's not doing it, um, obviously Kawhi and sort of his zen life of, uh, presence, that is no longer here. Like, who else is going to do it? Pascal is not his sort of personality sort of take over and be the leader of this team. Fred can occasionally do it, but Fred is also having a tough night. So it puts you in a tough spot. Serge and Kyle will be better going forward. They, they generally have been this year. They've been phenomenal. Today was... Very, very big off night. And and honestly, if either of them played up to their capabilities, probably the Raptors could have made this game more competitive and maybe even won. But, yeah, those guys weren't there tonight, and it's a shame. Um, quick Just quickly, in terms of your KFC bucket of the game, because I know this podcast is going long, uh, that has to go to Chris Boucher for this incredible uh, put-back dunk. Actually, you know what? Scratch that. I'm going out to OG Ananobi. He had a, uh, a dunk in trans sort of a leak out in transition. There was a breakdown in the Bucks defense. Uh, OG caught the pass and went up strong. Giannis came in late, and we've seen what Giannis can do with his recovery blocks. I mean, just look at what he did to LeBron a couple of times in the All-Star game. Um, but OG had the strength. He finished through the contact, and he just banged it on Giannis. Um, so that's your KFC player of the game. Um, OG, I thought, was really good in this one. It's, it's a shame we couldn't talk more about OG. Um, just because, you know, he's a kind of a role player. But, I mean, defensively, he did really well against... Giannis, uh, in the initial line of attack, and um, also he hit some threes and, you know, had some dunks. Great game from OG. Uh, in terms of your three stars from this one, uh, man, um, uh, first star, OG Anobi, 11 points, five rebounds, four assists, two steals. Uh, again, like I mentioned, you know, he hit the threes, played defense against Giannis. Did the, for the most part, I thought he was the, the, the starter that, relative to his expectations, did the best Um uh, given what you would normally expect from him. And it's unfortunate that the fifth man is the guy who did that, but whatever. Um, in terms of your second star, giving that to Ronnie Hollis Jefferson, six points, eight rebounds, 2 assists, 2 blocks, 18 minutes, 3 of 6 from the field. Really tenacious defense against Giannis. Um, and, you know, even had a, cul- a, a the occasional bucket sort of eluding the defense. Again, I'm not sure he'll play in a, a series against the Bucks, but honestly, as a, a guy who can guard Giannis, that's pretty big. It's just really offensively he brings a concern. But, honestly, the concern with Ronde mostly is that if he plays, his man's going to sag off a lot. And, honestly, with the way the Bucks are playing anyway, they're going to sag off regardless. So, you know, whatever. It's, it's not as much of a concern as it normally would be in another matchup. I thought he was good. And then the third star, I'm giving that to uh, Boucher, 10 points, 7 rebounds, with a very, very big block on Giannis in 19 minutes. Again, a couple other guys can get it. Terrence Davis, I thought, had a really strong push there in the fourth quarter, and Matt Thomas had a really strong push in the second quarter. But Boucher's two-way effort in terms of him hitting the pick-and-pop three and him also rebounding, creating second chances, and then having the shot-blocking presence was quite good. So uh, those are your three stars, very unconventional set, which usually happens in a loss. In terms of your Gerald Henderson award, uh, I'm giving that to – I don't know. I'm giving that to Bledsoe. I thought, honestly, you know, this is not a great game for Bledsoe in in terms of on his season averages. But for him to get 17.7 rebounds, four assists, one steal, one block, and not just completely disappear as he would in the playoffs, he was good. He was good. And, honestly, you know, defensively, he obviously gave hell to uh, Lowry and Van Vliet. None of those guys really had a good night offensively so um yeah and then Bledsoe you know got to the free throw line hit two threes not bad for uh for Eric so that does it for the podcast uh once again big thank you to KFC for sponsoring the show um it's a tough one the Bucks are a damn good team you know they're probably title favorites at this point I don't know what you really do but you know um if you're looking for signs of hope they're there and if you're looking for signs of despair they're also there so it's up to your interpretation. Um, what I know is the Raptors are still in the second seed. They're still one of the best teams in the league. You know, it is what it is. So thanks, for everyone, for listening. Big thanks to KFC sponsoring the podcast. And, uh, yeah, I'll be back tomorrow with a more in-depth breakdown of the Bucks game and also sort of uh, a, a bigger dive on just sort of what makes the Raptors successful from a tactics and sort of an execution standpoint. So look out for that. That's going to be on the Raptors Over Everything podcast network. But for now, thanks for listening and uh, catch you next time.